have you been? So, uh, there are a lot of things, a lot of things going on. I was listening to Sam Harris's podcast. Sam Harris has his podcast. It's beautiful. It's called Making Sense. I usually agree with virtually everything the guy has to say, apart from mostly his uh, TDS symptoms. Anything that has to do with that, I, I take some issue with, and some other liberal policies. But otherwise, you know, one of my favorite public intellectuals. He had, a, he had an episode with a guy named Andrew Morantz, and the guy just wrote a book. And he was supposed to, uh, he like descended into the deplorables and spend a bunch of time with white supremacists or something like that so he could uh, write a book about it as a journalist trying to figure out what they're all about. So, fine idea. Have at it. Uh, perfect journalistic fodder. But, uh, like, I actually waited a while before I said anything about this because I was extremely fired up. I was so angry at how much of a waste this entire conversation was. It was about a two-hour conversation. And I understand, because Sam has done this before, where he doesn't take certain progressive bait when it comes to the liberal left where they make ridiculous broad insane claims and he'll just kind of set them aside <laughs> and move on to other topics so they don't get bogged down in the morass of this discussion and he tries a lot to be accommodating in this conversation but i honestly i don't think it's even productive to coddle or baby these kinds of people and sam to his credit this is how i understood i took the conversation they they were talking about a bunch of different progressive issues one of the main one ones in the beginning was about dog whistling and whether that's a valid analysis to be doing on what people are saying and all that which is a whole big topic on its own and hilarious to me for a reason i will express shortly but what i understood from this conversation what it seemed like to me was that sam because i've listened to him talk about many a topic he seems like a person who genuinely believes justifiably or non-justifiably that he came to his positions by reasoned analysis argument and evidence and that's how he got to his positions and he's presenting them to be challenged, to be refined, uh, to be overturned if necessary, but he has a certain sincerity when he brings up any topic that he brings up. That there's, and I think he's talked about this before, that when you come into the conversation, you're, it's a good faith effort to have this conversation about whatever the topic is. It's, it's not just a bunch of theatrical BS that you're participating in. And the other guy, Andrew Morant, seemed to me to take the absolute opposite tack. <laughs> And one of the things I'm going to criticize heavily is all the psychoanalysis going on on, on both sides. But when it comes to third parties, especially Trump and, and white supremacists or whoever. So I'm going to try to avoid that too much. But uh, it definitely seemed like Sam had an open sincerity when it came to the conversation. And the other guy was just, it was political agenda 150%. It wasn't even like a, there's something refreshing. If he just had a capitalist interest in trying to sell his book, <laughs> it's like at least that makes some, some modicum of straight forward sense but this was like deranged ideology shilling that's all it felt like as he was talking and like it would take several hours to actually go through and unpack why every time the guy seemed to concede a point or uh, say we agree on that or anything like that it, the best of times when he was talking there were actually linguistic efforts and tricks to pull back as much as he could and sell a political ideology as much as he could it happened so many times and it's especially when it comes to journalists. You know, journalists spend their lives scrutinizing words and trying to pick the best words for what they're doing. So they have more ability to use particular words in place of others that are going to buttress their position in more extreme ways and reject their opponent's position. Uh, this, like I said, wasn't a sincere open dialogue. This was sincere and open on one side and just a political sales pitch on the other side, which was just so frustrating. One of the things, like, Sam, they get bogged down in some of these. Okay, so starting out with the dog whistle, 
whistling. And I'm sorry, this is totally free form. I'm just talking about whatever's going on in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> but when talking about dog whistling, the hilarious thing to me is that the whole point of a dog whistle is only dogs can hear it, <laughs> you know? If, if I'm, if somebody's blowing a dog whistle, uh, then only the dogs are be able to pick up on it. Just like when you see racism or sexism or whatever in everything that somebody says, if you say that's a dog whistle and you can hear it, who's the racist? It's, it's so much projection, especially on, from elite leftists. If I had to, if I were pressed to make a bet on any of this stuff and again i'm just going ahead and flirting with some kind of some psychoanalyzing but if i had to bet on any of this stuff i would say that it's just like the gay conversion priests or pastors or whoever where they are so vociferously anti whatever that thing is because they're scared of the fact that they they actually are that thing and it seems like so much of that i cannot believe how patronizing any kind of talk about race or racism or anything like that is from most elite leftists who are active in this sphere it's really frustrating but when it comes to dog whistling it's this you know i know what they said but this i know that they actually mean this and i base this on my psychoanalysis and and all of these other things that i've taken either out of context or had a biased position on or just collectively put together in my brain after filtering it through my extremely limited hardware and software <laughs> and now i'm gonna make the determination that this must be the case but they have a lengthy conversation about this how sam say says that it's not not productive to just say, oh, well, Trump said X and I'm going to call that a dog whistle to white supremacists or on Fox News when they say something about how they're coming to take your jobs or something like that. Or I can't remember what the particular point was. I think it was about Tucker Carlson saying something about it. But the guest, Andrew Morantz, specifically said that he is explicitly, this is a dog whistle for all white people. And Sam's saying, we really can't make those determinations. Can we stop? And it was just back and forth. But like I said, everything that this this guy says it's there's no ounce of sincerity in any of this this is just 100% you can see how he scales back whatever Sam says or whatever they agree about or anything he'll put these addenda to it or change the language a little bit just to make sure that he's still selling the ideology that he's trying to sell and it's really frustrating that people talk like this this is one of the one of those times where it seems like ideological derangement instead of just somebody who's being cheeky or just trying to get around, you know, selling their point or something like that, but they, they're aware of the fact that they're being biased or, or whatever. This seems like some kind of a, a weird, wide-eyed, blank derangement kind of situation where they aren't even aware of what's going on. And obviously, I could be completely wrong. He could be just a out-and-out capitalist trying to sell his book and trying to drum up some kind of controversy or trying to protect his name as a journalist or is concerned about his job at the New Yorker. I don't know. But it seemed to me like everything just based on the evidence in this conversation they had, it seemed to me like it was ideological derangement. It wasn't even basic things about like ego or self-concern or anything like that. It seemed weirdly just empty and alien. Oh, it just It's a concerning trend when it comes to political speech where you see this just deadening of people on, on one side that they just won't admit of any, like they don't even have a concept of anything outside of their ideology. It's so weird. It's so religious. 
And it's the same thing I've ran into, you know, a few years ago, several years ago now, where I'd talk to Christians and they just have this kind of, these blinders on. But now it's it's in a sphere that's so much more complex <laughs> and there's so many more things going on and bigger stakes because most Christians, they're just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm just going to fight gay marriage. And, <laughs> you know, that's like the worst thing they ever do and tell their kids, I mean, guess telling their kids they're going to burn in hell is pretty bad. But most of the time they're just like, oh, you know, forgiveness for anything whatsoever so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> But it's still, what a weird, weird, weird situation. They go on, and the guy talks about how, like, the distinction between, I think he made this distinction where it was like, there's a white supremacy that is just the systemic systems of institutional oppression or whatever, and there, there there's, like, the individual white supremacy. And I, everything about anything that has to do with white nationalism versus white supremacy or whatever, all these scare terms that are just inundating the media, you know, Nazi or whatever, I just, if we had to take the time to define all these terms every time they wouldn't mean anything like nobody would care whenever they heard them like it wouldn't be scary because when it comes to like white nationalism there could be very different white nationalists all over the board people who just want to support white people in general or just want to support white people against the other people saying bad things about them or weird white nationalists who think that it's fine to have ethnocentric which actually wouldn't be that weird the Japanese Japanese do it, and there's no outcry about that being horribly racist. So there could be just white nationalists who have no interest in violence or exporting anybody, but they just want a white nation. You know, they want people who... who look like them and are more likely to act like them under their estimation, which would be the same logic that somebody was using to say we need diversity in in movies or whatever. It's so other people who don't look like you get to see people who look like them. It's just, it's reinvigorating that whole idea that, yes, you should be looking for people who look like you. But there could be, you know, other variations of white nationalists who would never use violence but think that we should be exporting people of color to other nations, nations... uh, that they were originated from. There could be white nationalists who think that the Irish and the Italians and anybody else who wasn't a Protestant, you know, wasp or whatever, came from England directly, uh, think that they should be expelled. You know, you could be white nationalists in Sweden who are just happen to be white, but like how their country is going, although that's going a different direction now. But I just, and you always, you'll get this retort that it's just like, oh, how could you defend that? I'm literally talking about, okay, what ideas are actually there? What are the motivations? What are the propositions that they're trying to levy? What are the... uh, Because different ones could say that I think that white people are inferior, but I want them to band together to protect themselves. Or I think white people are superior, but I lament that fact and wish that uh, they weren't and everybody was equal. You know, they could... There could be everything across the board, not to mention every individual policy decision that could emanate therefrom. And yet we don't talk about any details related to that because we just use them as scare words to say, no, it's completely evil. And then that creates this weird thing where we've got uh, this pocket of, you know, forbidden knowledge (laughs) that's going to be luring to all sorts of people who have insecurities for all sorts of other reasons. And it's such a complex interplay of all these different things. And yet we just kind of 
vomit this stuff up because we're trying to get clicks or retweets or get elected or, or whatever. Uh, it's such a weird situation. Anyway, oh my gosh. So just like, uh, just to switch it up <laughs> to something nicer. Actually, so, and then the guy, like I said, he talked about white supremacy as the systemic systems. And I absolutely, I hate this unbelievably broad, just there are disadvantages from history and therefore we need to do something about that now. I, I mean, do you know how many millions of intervening act, hundreds of millions of intervening decisions made by people all over the place in the country, but we're saying we're just going to lump all those things together into one. This is like, I think I've said it before. This is like trying to catch butterflies to stop hurricanes. That's what we'd be trying to do. It makes no sense. There are so many factors that would have to be controlled for, that have to be understood. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of individuals over the course of deep time, <laughs> you know, and okay, where would they be but for the intervention of slavery or being treated or Jim Crow laws or not being able to go to the same schools or whatever, or just individual acts of racism that were around and how much that impacted them or their internal sense of who they are and, and everything that could <laughs> redound there from. <laughs> We have to take all those things into consideration and just slop on, oh no, well, it's the systemic systems of institutional oppression. I, I, this is what drives me absolutely crazy. People make these kinds of determinations and just saying that, yes, this is the case when they have no business doing that sort of thing. I mean, most of the time they're not even, like, they're not professionals in that field where they, like, study sociology or history or anything like that. Even if they were, if they had 20 years of research in that, they'd still have to be able to put together a cogent presentation uh, with plenty of evidence and, and everything. I, oh my gosh. There was, <laughs> what did I see? I saw it somebody where it was, it was some woman who was talking about how she did some study and said that, said that women of color are not likely to praise their children. She didn't, I mean, in the video that I saw, she didn't offer any actual evidence of this. She just says that it was like a theory that she made up, but that women of color aren't as likely to talk about the great things that their kid does in school because they were worried about white people taking them from them. And this was some kind of a, a generational psychological quirk that came about. Like I said, it, I mean, this is something that would have to have such incredible, overwhelming evidence with every factor controlled for that you could possibly think of. And yet this woman just kind of airily asserts it uh, just in general without offering much of anything else. And it's this kind of thing. I mean, it's this kind of thing. It's such an obvious ideological ploy, likely stemming from insecurity or, or and the reason I say that is because there's such little evidence or effort to rigorously study this thing that's the reason that I make that assessment but it's just shocking that this kind of stuff I mean comes out that people are willing on the basis of you know their own integrity when it comes to figuring out what's true and what's not that they're willing to just kind of blanket make these broad statements if you you know start poking any parts of this house of cards when they bring this stuff up like just asking for definitions for one you'll immediately know so they barely even thought about the definition of this thing. And that's the first step in the whole thing tumbling down. Oh, it's just frustrating. We have to deal with this at all. Ah, whatever. So that's... That's the Sam Harris one. I just wanted to kind of chat about it a bit. I know this wasn't, like, I didn't have any notes. So I'm not trying to rigorously go through each step of that. I was just incensed by how poorly the conversation went because these are two very educated people that you would expect would be able to come to terms on how the communication is going to happen, and it just didn't. So I have to figure out, based on that fallout, I have to figure out what's actually going on in that conversation. But that's Sam Harris making sense. Uh, everybody should listen to it. He doesn't come out with all that 
many episodes all that often, but he usually has excellent conversations with people. And then Sam goes on a, like, in his postscript, he goes on a TDS-inspired fever dream of a rant about Trump, and it just, it's so boring. (laughs) It's not only so boring, but I just, I wish Sam would restrict himself for the rest of Trump's presidency. I wish Sam would restrict himself to only talking about policies that Trump has enacted and his disagreements with those policies or or policies that Trump has supported, not enacted or undertaken when it comes to foreign policy or whatever. I mean, obviously Trump, obviously Sam criticized Trump from what I remember for the back out and leaving the Kurds to their fate and, and that sort of thing. So that's fine. I don't have any issue with that. But when he gets he'll just start revving up and you can hear it coming when you have a president that and and it's just blank after that there's just no content post those those words uh, where he just revs up and starts his tirade that's a tds fever and it just it gets frustrating uh, because uh, you just want to rein him in and just say dude (laughs) just stick to what he does oh my gosh stop buying into this unbelievable he's not acting he's not saying the things that i want him to say outrage and criticize him on a neutral basis of his policies rather than going into this broad psychoanalysis of I know his personality and therefore I've got all this stuff down I... I mean, there are so many more things, but I'm like 20 minutes in, so whatever. We'll just we'll just have that, talk about that. Hopefully it was helpful to somebody <laughs> sitting here uh, to just kind of explore these ideas and topics. That's what I'm trying to do, so hopefully it meant something. But otherwise, I hope all is well. I hope you have a good day. I've got to get back to work. Oh my gosh, all right. So see you, see you on the next one. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>